Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Luke. Mary is here to read our scripture for us. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. If you would like to follow along in your own Bibles or there in front of you, in the Pew Bible in front of you, we would uh, love for you to follow along uh, in this well-known parable of Jesus. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and as always, make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. Now, God, hide me behind the shadow of the cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You come across some crazy lists sometimes on the internet. Uh, at, modeled after, I think it was David Letterman that first did the top 10 list. You run across some crazy lists at times. I, I, started, I started thinking back on what it would be like. Um, well, what are, the, what are the top five or top 10 love songs of, of all times? I mean, if I ask you that question, I mean, it, it's hard to come up with a top 10 list or, or a top five list of the, of the greatest love songs of all times. But I, but I found a list, and I wanted to, I wanted to share that list uh, with you. 
Uh, anybody know, uh, probably if you're under 30, you probably know who this is. Anybody under, under 30? No? Okay, Justin, uh, Jason Mraz, I, I'm yours. It's a great little, great little ditty. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. If you are maybe a little bit older than that, uh, you may know who this is. Yeah, Frank Sinatra, Fly Me to the Moon. Fly Me to the Moon, a great, great love song. Uh, here's, um, here's one, I think. Um, do we, do we get that one? Joe Cocker, you are so beautiful. What a, what an amazing song. Sang it with such, with such passion. Um, Elvis, love me tender. It doesn't get much better than love me tender. And almost on every single list that I found on the top love songs, um, ever, uh, was this song made popular by Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, written by Dolly Parton and performed by a number of other um, artists as well. I Will Always Love You. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Well, the reason, I, the, the reason I bring all these things up is that you would think with all, of, with all of those songs about love that we would know really what love is all about. Well, today we're concluding our sermon series dealing with this this one life that we that we have uh, again the prom- the premises of this of this series is that we have we have one shot at this thing called life we have a lot of different chances thank god for second chances and third chances and thousandth chances but we get one shot at this thing called life and as i've been looking at my own life i'm 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 just past the middle age uh, hopefully um, hopefully I live uh, to be into my, I don't know if I'll live to be into my 90s, but, but possibly. But, I, but I'm in the second half of my life. And as I've looked around my life, I've realized that there are some things that I thought I would have got, I thought I would have had figured out by now. I mean, I, I, I would have thought that I would have had my vocational life figured out. And so we've looked at what it, what it means to have a vocation. And um, we, we've, looked at, we've looked at love itself. We've looked at wisdom. We've looked at the church. We've looked at uh, our, 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 our sexuality. We've looked at eternity as well. And so today we turn our attention uh, to this thing uh, called God is love life. <laughs> What's it mean for us to understand that God is love? How do, we, how do we understand that? How do we come to understand that? There's a story, again, the story that was read earlier is, is a story that, that Jesus explains and describes how God is love. This story explains how God is love. This, the, the parable of the, of the prodigal son is known as that, the parable of the prodigal son. It could also be named the parable of the uh, of the older son, but I think a, a more apt name for this is the parable of the loving father. Now, I've preached on this passage of scripture a number of times throughout my almost 21 years of being a pastor. I've, I've preached on it probably 10 to 15 times, even here at First Church in my first 19 months, 20 months now, I, I think I've already preached on the parable of the prodigal Son, but I think it is. I mean, the reason that it's one of my favorite passages of scripture, one of the most well known passages of scripture as well, because it shows us the love of a father, it shows us the love of the father. And in fact, as, as you read through the parable, it is the actions of the father, the love of the father, that was the most shocking in all of the parable. 
I mean, certainly it would have been a surprise. It certainly would have been a surprise for a young son to go to his father and ask for his share of the inheritance while the father was still living. That would have been surprising, no doubt. No doubt it would have been surprising. It would have been surprising for a son to come to his father and say, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. I want you to sell one-third of everything that you own and give it to me. It would have been surprising. But the more shocking thing was that the father didn't, didn't meet him with a backhand across the face, but instead the shocking thing was that the was that the father gave him exactly what he had asked for. That was shocking, absolutely shocking. It would have been shocking for the father to set back and watch his son, his youngest son, to take a third of his estate and to to take it and to go off into a foreign country, you would have expected a first century Jewish father to have laid down the law and said, uh, no, 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 no. No, you are not going to take your inheritance. You're not going to take my property that I have graciously given to you. You're not going to take that and, and, and disown us by going, by going to, a, to another country. You're not going to do that. But the father allowed him to do that. It's shocking that the father didn't say to his son, uh, okay, you can take it to another country, but you are not going to turn away from our faith. No, no, you are not going to do that. But that's what happened. As the story goes, the young son found himself feeding pigs. If you read through the Old Testament and you know about the Old Testament food laws, pigs are the most unclean of really, really of all of the animals. And so he found himself, this young son, not only disowned his family, now he has even disowned his God and his faith. It was shocking that the father would have allowed him to do that. Absolutely shocking. It was shocking that the father would have allowed the son to squander away his his possessions. In wild living is, is how the scripture puts it. Now, the older son came back with an accusation that the younger son had, uh, had squandered away uh, in, in, in the arms of prostitutes. We're not exactly sure whether that was an overstatement or not. But whatever the case, I mean, it would have been shocking, absolutely shocking, that the father allowed his young son to do all of these kinds of things. He came to his senses and realized that he was absolutely starving to death. He was feeding pigs, but he was hoping that someone would give him the the feed that his pigs were eating. And so he thought to himself, well, my... My, my father, have, he has servants that are eating better than me. Maybe if I go back to my father, I will tell him, Father, I have sinned against you and against God. Please take me back, not as one of your sons, but instead take me back as one of your servants. Maybe, just maybe, my father would take me back as one of the servants. And so I can, I can see it. He's repeating this speech step after step after step as he is, uh, as, as, in, as he is returning home full of humiliation. The shocking thing, the shocking thing isn't 
I mean, the shocking thing is that his father took him back. But the other shocking thing is that his father was standing out at the end of the driveway waiting for him. I can, I can only imagine how many times the father had gone out to the end of their driveway looking down the road this way and looking down the road that way, hoping and praying that this would be the day that his, that his prodigal son had returned home. And sure enough, it was on this day that the father saw him. And the scripture says, while he was still a long ways off, the father ran to him. And shockingly, he threw his arms around him. Shockingly, he put upon him a royal robe and put upon him a, 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 an insignia ream. And shockingly, he threw a party for his returned son. That was not how a first century Jewish father should have acted. That first century Jewish father should have said, son, you can't ever come back in this house again. You have humiliated me. You have disowned me. You have disowned our family. You have disowned your countrymen. You have disowned your God. You are not welcome back in this house. The shocking thing is the father welcomed him back and threw a through a big through a big party through a big party as the story goes the older son was out in the fields out in the fields and he heard the uh, he heard something going on back of the house he asked what had gone on and and a servant came and said uh, your brother who we thought was lost has now been found he's come back and your father has thrown a big a, a big party the older son was jealous and he went. We called to his father and said, "Dad, I've been here. I've been. I've been. I've been here working for you, working for your love the entire time, and you've never shown me your love. You never even threw me a, a little party with a with a little goat. Instead, this this younger son of yours squandered every gift that you've ever given, squandered it away." on wild living, and, and instead, of, instead of just throwing a small little party that you've never done for me, you killed the fattened calf, and you have set, you, you've, you've invited the entire countryside to a great big gala. The father's response, I had to celebrate. For this, this brother of yours, we thought was lost. He's now been fanned. We thought he was dead, but now he is alive. We had to celebrate. I think this story tells us about the love of the Father beyond anything else. This story tells us about the love of the Father. God is love. We know that. We understand that. We hear that. That is the mantra of modern Christianity. By the way, the, the, the ancient modern of Christianity is, was Jesus as Lord. I think the two are connected. Jesus is Lord and God is love are, are deeply intertwined and connected. But the, the modern mantra of, of Christianity is that God is love. And we understand that. We, we can affirm that God is love. But I think there are times that we get it twisted up just a little bit. At times we get it twisted up a little bit. Love without a relationship is lust. That's, what the, that's, that's the kind of love that the older son was experiencing. Love without relationship is lust. Get, here, stick with me here. Love without relationship is, is lust. And, and by the way, modern Americans, we know how to lust. 
we, we certainly know how to, how to lust after other things. We know how to, how to lust after more possessions. We know how to lust after beautiful people. We know how to lust after more and more and more. We know how to do that. And so I have found that oftentimes we've equated our love for God with lust. The older son lusted after the father's intimacy and possessions and blessings. The older son simply wanted what the father could give him. He didn't really want a relationship with him at all. Did you notice where he was? He was out in the fields working, working for the father, trying to earn his father's love, trying to get everything that he could from his father He was lusting after his father. He wasn't in that loving relationship that we are called called to experience. Love love, Love without relationship is lust. Again, Americans know how to lust, so we lust after God, wanting only what God can give us from afar. Love requires a relationship. And so when we say that God is love, it requires that we have a relationship with God. No longer can we just simply say, well, God is love and that's all there is to it. No, it requires a relationship with him, a daily relationship with him, abiding in him, communing with him daily, continually. No more can we have a relationship with God from afar, for when we do that, we are simply lusting after what God can give to us. It it requires a deep and abiding relationship with God the Father. If we're going to say that God is love, it requires a deep and abiding relationship with the Father. The younger son, however, he wanted love without boundaries. He just simply wanted love with he wanted the love of his father without any boundaries whatsoever. And here's the crazy thing about God. He will give us that love without boundaries, but we better watch out. Because love without boundaries will lead to our destruction just like it almost led to the destruction of the younger son. Love without boundaries isn't really love. It's presumptuous. It's presumptuous that, that we own things, uh, or it, it, it is the presumption that we own things that really aren't ours. When, when, we, when we love without boundaries, it's, it's a presumption that we own things that's, that's not ours. It, it's a perverted do- domination as it, as it speaks to our lack of humility and a belief that our desires should reign supreme. When we believe that God should love us without boundaries, without any stipulations, without any rules, it is, it is so self-centered for us to think that. You see, we understand that God has placed boundaries in our lives for our own benefit. It would have been better. It would have been better for the, for the father to have said to, us, to the son, oh, no doubt, you can have, you can have the thir- uh, one-third of the estate, but here are the boundaries in which to use that estate. Those are the boundaries of love. It's no different than a child that is given everything that they want 
at all times and in all places. And all they have to do is throw a fit, and they're going to get the they're going to get the toy from the store, or they're going to be able to to eat chocolate for supper, or they're going to be able to to wear the or whatever they want to wear to school, whenever, whatever, however. What are they? They're spoiled. And oftentimes when we approach our relationship with God and we desire no boundaries, we become like spoiled little children. But love, true love, maintains boundaries for our benefits. Again, again, the Father God the Father knows that these boundaries that God has put upon our lives, these so-called rules that God has put upon our lives, these these things that are so very restricting, according to some, they are for our benefit. Because God knows that, that love without boundaries will lead to our destruction. Will lead to our destruction. So when we call God love, it implies, first, a relationship, but second, it implies boundaries. It implies boundaries. It implies that, 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 we are, that we're going to daily be abiding in Him, that we are going to daily and continually be communing with our God through prayer, through study of Scripture, through worship, through accountability, we're going to be, I mean, as, as I was talking with the youth group this morning or those in confirmation class, those are called uh, attending to the ordinances of God. That's what John Wesley called them. Doing those things that are going to help us stay in love and stay in a close relationship with God. When we call, when we say that God is love, it implies that we are in a relationship with God. But it also implies that we have boundaries in our lives. We're not, there's not license to simply live our lives how we want it. No, God has placed boundaries upon our lives, and those boundaries are there for us. Those boundaries are there for us. There may be some here this morning who have indeed felt like they are lost and alone and afraid and even dead. You've lost your way. And you may be wondering, how in the world could I ever find my way back to a loving father? Surely I have been been too bad. Surely I have erred too much. Surely I have gone off the path far too far. Know this, you have a loving father waiting to take you back waiting to take you back into relationship, waiting uh, waiting, waiting to give you boundaries in your life. If you're like the older son and you've been trying to work your way into the love of God, if you've been trying to serve your way into God loving you, know this, you need a relationship with God, a loving relationship with God. Certainly those boundaries are, are, are there for, for your benefit as well. God is love. We can all affirm that. And it is life-giving it is saving. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your love. You indeed are love. You are love. God, you have most shown your love for us in Jesus Christ, coming to us, living among us, suffering for us, dying for us, and being resurrected for us. God, you so desire a relationship with us. 
You desire that we say yes to you. Many of us have been out looking for love, looking for love, searching for love in all kinds of, in all kinds of relationships and all kinds of places. We'll never find true love outside of you. God, empower us as we call you love. Empower us to have a deep and abiding relationship with you. Empower us to accept those boundaries that you have placed upon our lives and upon our behaviors because those boundaries lead to true love, lead to true relationship. God, be with us today as we say yes to you. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.